you. I love your church and I thank the Lord for each one of you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me this Lord's Day to Romans chapter 5 once again. Romans chapter 5, I'm going to read into your hearing verses 1 through 8. As Brother Marty has already said, I also say thank you for being in the Lord's house today. Thank you for those that be joining us by media, uh, social media, by Facebook or whatever stream. Uh, thank you if you're joining us by FM radio. Uh, we're delighted to have you join with us this Lord's day. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word in Romans chapter 5 and beginning in verse 1. I had no idea when the Lord put these verses upon my heart nearly a month ago that these verses would lead us into Christmas. I know that when we come together at this time of year, we're used to hearing sermons about Bethlehem, about the manger, about the virgin birth, about those shepherds that were attending their flock by night, about the angels and the angelic messages that were received. I know and I understand that. Amen. But this is always the message of Christmas. Jesus. Amen. Always the message of any time, of any service, is always the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are no verses any greater in all the Word of God by the pen of the Apostle Paul, inspired by that of the Holy Ghost, as he was writing to these Roman citizens. I, I, I hope and pray that I have not failed as a preacher and have not failed in this series to share with you the heart of the Apostle. These were people he cared about. These were people that needed Jesus Christ. These were people that needed a Savior. And Paul is pouring out his heart unto these Roman citizens, sharing with them the Jesus that had changed his life and the Jesus that can change their life. Sometimes when we read through the Scriptures, we, we miss those, those, those things that inside the Word of God and inside the Holy Scriptures that, that kind of magnify and manifest a greater light upon that Scripture. Paul truly, dearly loved these people. And they knew him as Saul of Tarsus. They knew his reputation. They knew the damage that he had caused, the hurt and pain that he had inflicted as Saul of Tarsus. If you would, you can kind of relate it to trying to make right a great wrong. What he was before is not who he is today. And that's the message that Paul was trying to share with them. Who you knew me as before is not who I am today. To God be the glory and because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And so he writes to them and says, Listen, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. A peace Paul didn't have as Saul of Tarsus. A peace that he has now. A peace that they could have. A peace that if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you and I have and enjoy to this day. He said, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God. Oh, aren't you thankful for that? But God. Not that we were righteous. Not that we were good. Not that we were decent. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Well, that's a message for every time of the year. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise while you're being seated. Amen. May God add a rich blessing to the reading of His Word. I want to share for just a moment, if I may, as we look under these holy scriptures, that I'm glad that God is always right and I am always wrong. Amen. And that God always knows what He is doing. I'm glad, Ronnie, that God's ways are not my ways and God's thoughts are not my thoughts and that His ways are always greater than mine. His thoughts are always greater than mine. Amen. And I'm thankful for that great truth. As we look to these Scriptures for just a moment and we think about what they say, Paul, as I have already stated, is trying with every word to relay to these Roman citizens Jesus Christ. He is trying to bless their understanding of who Jesus is. They had rejected Jesus They had rejected the message of Jesus. They had rejected the deity of Jesus and who Jesus claimed to be. And Paul is writing to them to try again to make right or wrong in which he himself had been guilty of when he himself was in due season without strength. And Paul is trying to convince them who Jesus is within these scriptures. For example, in verse 6, when he says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. In verse 8, he said, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. The apostle uh, is only interested in one thing, uh, and that one thing uh, is to give them Jesus. I want to say to you, church, uh, the one thing that you can do, uh, the only thing uh, that we can do uh, is to give people Jesus. Amen. Uh, Share with them uh, who Jesus is. Uh, Now, I've already covered with you in other sermons, uh, who is your Jesus? Uh, You have to determine uh, the Jesus that you believe in. Paul knew his Jesus. Paul knew how great, how powerful his Jesus truly is. Paul, by experience, had discovered the wonder of wonders in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul went about wherever he was to give people Jesus. I want you to hear me. We need to do better at giving people Jesus. We need to do better at home. We need to do better in our circle of friends. We need to do better in our workplaces to give people Jesus. I don't care what people are going through. I don't care what far country they're living in. I don't care if they're in Sodom, give them Jesus. If they're in the wilderness, give them Jesus. If they're in rebellion, give them Jesus. Uh, If they're going the opposite way, give them Jesus. Uh, If they're in the storm of life, give them Jesus. Uh, I don't care what people are going through. Jesus is still the answer. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. And if you can't share anything else, give them Jesus. Amen. That should be the goal and the heart of every child of God. You remember the message surrounding the birth of Jesus when He came into this world. I share with you from, as a reminder, in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 1, to a confused Joseph that did not understand what was happening. The woman that he had been espoused to was now with child without being with a man. And you remember in his heart he was going to put her away privately. He didn't know. I can't explain this. I don't know. I just know what it looks like. Ain't we good at that? I know what it looks like. Amen? Without having all the facts and all the details. Amen? Angel of the Lord appeared unto him while he was thinking upon these things in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 1 and verse 20 and and says to, to, to Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. And thou, Joseph, listen, a personal message for you, you shall call his name Jesus. Why am I going to call him Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because the angel said, for he shall save his people 
From what? From their sins. Hallelujah. From their sins. Listen, flip over with me to Luke's gospel real quick. I want to make this together before I go to preaching, but Luke's gospel chapter 1. Here was Mary with child. Imagine him being Mary with child. Amen. And so the angel has a message for her and an explanation for her that was necessary for her about this child that would be born and would be delivered. Angel, uh, without a doubt, Mary, within her own mind, had many questions, many concerns, and so the angel comes and shares with her, I'm glad that God's not the author of confusion, aren't you? Amen? And, and the angel says to her, says, listen, in verse, in verse 30, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. The God that you believe in, the God that you're trusting, Mary, you found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name. Who? Why? <laughs> same message. Because his purpose is the same. His purpose for coming is the same. His purpose for being born is the same. To be able to have the power to save people from their sins. Now I want to bear that. I want you to get that within your mind. Jesus came into this world, born into this world, with the purpose of being able to save people from their sins. Nobody else could do that. Nobody else had the power to do that. Nobody else had the power or strength to change and to turn my life around. Save that of Jesus Christ. And nobody has the power today to do that. Save Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment. The power of that statement. To be able to save people from their sins. To deliver them. To set them free from the bondage and the prison of sin. Are you with me? Most of us sitting in this sanctuary today. Without a doubt, as I look around, name the name of Jesus. Sometime back in the history of our life, we confessed with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Somewhere back in the history of our life, we bowed our heads to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we asked Jesus to save us, to forgive us. And to give unto us eternal life. To give unto us what we could not give unto ourselves. And to do a work in our lives that only Jesus could do. Now, I, I, I'm expanding a little bit because I didn't really, Mike, I didn't really understand all of that 
when the Lord saved me, what I did understand was that I was guilty, Alan, as a sinner, and I was on my way to a devil's hell if I didn't get saved in Jesus Christ. That was it. That was pretty much all I knew at the moment, was that I needed a Savior in Jesus Christ. And I placed my faith and trust in Him one night, one November night, in the parking lot of, of Brown Wooten Mills. Paul, within these verses, I, I, I want to really, I really want to get to a, a key point here. Paul, within these verses of scriptures to these Romans, he talks about something that is, is absolutely incredible. And he shares a truth here that, that sometimes is missed within these scriptures that I want us to understand. Because when the Lord saved me, I didn't first get this. I didn't first understand it. Notice what he says beginning in verse 2. He says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in what? Come on, church. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I want to talk a moment about the power of hope. God changed this sermon this morning, and to Him be the glory for it. Hope is one of the greatest gifts we have working inside our lives. I've been saved by the grace of God almost 40 years. And in this, in this recent study of these scriptures, I, I come to realize a great truth about hope, Chuck. When the Lord saved me, I had a lot of things, a lot of bad things, a lot of dark things going on inside me. When the Lord saved me, and I began to attend church just like you, and I began to sit in pews, just like you. And I begin to sit under the preaching of God's Word. You want to know why we come to church and why it's important to be in the house of the Lord? I'm about to tell you. I would sit in my pew at Woodland Baptist Church and I would sit under the preaching of Willis Pell and evangelists that would come back when churches still had revivals. And revivals, Earl was revivals. And preachers would get on fire for the Lord and preach the Word of God without apology to anybody. You see, I needed that. I needed that. Jimmy Slate, Steve Parks, men of God, when I would sit by my radio at home and listening to the Charles Spurgeon's and the Vance Havners, Billy Sundays, men of God that 
had convictions about Jesus Christ. What I didn't realize that was existing in me was this hope. This, this thing within me called hope. Because, you see, I, I finally reached a place, it took me about two years before I finally reached a place to, that I could truly believe that I was saved. So I went through about a two-year period there of, of looking at what a sinner I was and how, how evil I was and all the wrong I'd done in my life. And I found it hard to believe that just with a confession of the tongue uh, that I could be forgiven of that multitude of sins. Uh, and I struggled with that. But inside me was this hope that continued to reach out to Jesus that if I continued to hope in Him, if I continued to believe and put my trust in Him, though I didn't have all the answers, though I didn't understand everything, that if I just kept hoping in Him. Let me give you an honest confession. I would sit there in the pew A few years after salvation, my life was continuing to progress and my life was continuing to cycle that, that I married Carlene, so therefore I became a husband. Josh came along, I became a father. Ashley came along, I became a father again. And what nobody else in church knew was this young, black-headed fellow sitting in the pew with a little bit of hope in Jesus that somehow in all of this mess, Jesus would make me a better husband and a better father. Because inside I knew I was a wreck and a mess. And I would sit in that pew and I would be fearful. I, I, I hid that from everybody. Nobody else saw that. But I would sit in that pew fearful, trembling that I would, that I would fail them. And inside me was this hope, Barbara, that if I kept trusting Jesus, Chuck, that if I stayed there in church and sat under that preaching, if I stayed under the Word of God, that this Jesus that I was putting all my hope in could make me a husband and a daddy that they could someday be proud of. But I knew without Him, I would blow it. Some of you are sitting with the same concerns. All I can preach to you is Jesus. That if you'll continue to put your hope in Jesus that if you'll continue to trust in Him, 
he can do for you what nobody else can. Give the Lord a hand. It's too quiet now. You see, the apostle goes on to express how this comes about and how this process works. And I don't have time to elaborate on each one. But I want you to notice this because in, in closing, this is so important. I guess from a business sense and from a logical sense, and for some of us that think more than we should, let that soak in a minute. We think, is this really possible? If I start today of putting my absolute 100% trust and hope in Jesus Christ, in all the mess and all the circumstances that are surrounding my life today, yes, yes. In fact, he's the only one that can. But there's a process that we often miss that is attached to this. And Paul didn't miss it. And Paul explained it unto those Roman citizens in which he was writing unto. When he said at the conclusion of verse 2 in Romans chapter 5, he says, And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but Romans understand, we're not only about glorying when things are good. Let me emphasize that for just a moment. In reality, that many of us, when we think about the Jesus we know and the Jesus we believe in. You see, you can go through life for a long period of time when things are good. Your health is good. Jobs are good. You're, in your, you're still kind of young in age. The children are growing. The children are doing well. You put in a little nest egg to decide for college funds and those type things, and everything is just grand. And you see, a lot of people, that's the Jesus they want, the miracle Jesus. As long as Jesus is given to me, as long as Jesus is providing, as long as Jesus is making everything good for me, oh, I want that Jesus. Sign me up for that Jesus. Amen? Preacher, you don't have to have a hard time convincing me about a Jesus like that. As long as everything is good, I'm good with Jesus. Amen? And that's the Jesus that most people want. But that's not who Jesus is. Because sooner or later, there's this thing that comes along called tribulations. Pressure. Test under fire. Amen? When things are not so good, when things are not so grand, when you're not singing on the mountaintop, you're now in the valley. 
And Paul says and describes this process when he says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. How in the world do you glory in tribulations also? Paul says, because we know that tribulations works patience. How many of you here have had to wait upon the Lord? It ain't easy to wait upon the Lord, is it? We want the Jesus that we can, like a genie in a bottle, come quickly, be Johnny on the spot. Amen. Don't make me wait. Waiting is one of the greatest virtues you have. Patience is one of the greatest virtues you have. Amen. We fail to realize that, and again, I don't have time to elaborate, but tribulations works patience. The apostle said, then we go from patience to experience, and then from experience unto hope. Now, I want you to understand, and I've got to close, but I want you to understand that all of these are connected together. You can't break the cycle. And the reason that you can't break the cycle is because you and me need everything in that cycle. Whether we realize it or not, we need everything in the cycle. We need the tribulations because we need the patience. We need the patience because we need the experience. And we need the experience because we've got to have the hope. You see, when people lose hope, they're gone. They're gone. You look around this church sanctuary, and you think, as most time a pastor thinks, there's a lot of people that used to sit beside you, filled with hope, that have zero hope today. I'm asking you, what is your hope today? As you sit in the pew of this church with your loved ones and your family, what is it that you hope for today? Without a light of hope, without a ray of hope, my emphasis, now I'll just go ahead and finish my confession. By no means do I feel like I've arrived. I'm still a husband. I'm still a daddy. We've only added grandfather to the list. Amen? So I have even more reason to hope in Jesus. You see, I'm not the perfect husband yet. I'm not the perfect father yet. I'm not the perfect grandfather yet. I'm not the perfect pastor yet. So you see, I continue to hope in the process of life, in the process of God, that through tribulation and patience and experience that I become even better. Amen? Even better. 
you better live with that same hope. And you better realize that the only chance you have of being successful in your role as wife or husband, as mother or father, as grandfather or grand, a grandmother, the only hope you have of being successful in the people that matter is not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ. And the moment that you quit hoping and believing in what He can do and what He can make possible in your life and in your family, you can already write failure to your testimony. Amen? Woo! You get quiet, church. As they come and get an invitational song ready, while everybody bows their head for just a moment, all, all heads bowed for just a moment, and we sincerely give our attention unto the Lord for just a moment. What is it in your life that you need to hope for more than anything else? What is it that you need to hope in Jesus Christ more than anything else? Don't ever let the devil destroy that hope. Don't ever let the devil take that hope away. That you Listen, you may be the only hope that individual has left. Sometimes I tell Carlene, we prayed this morning coming to church. And sometimes when things, and we, we realize and see things going on in our life, and things, that, because we're no different from anybody else, we face tribulations. We face trouble. We face trial. We face temptations. We watch our family, our kids, our grandkids face temptations. And I told her this morning, we got to turn up the heat. And I wasn't talking about the house heat. I was talking about turning up the heat on the devil and turning up our intensity in prayer to pray for our family. Not this one. No, not this one. You can't have this one. Amen? Because you see, tribulation has taught me patience. Patience has, has taught me experience. And experience has taught me hope in Jesus Christ, not only for me, but for them. Amen? And I'll spend whatever time on my knees I need to spend praying, praying, and praying in Jesus' name. Claiming victory after victory after victory. Amen. Woo, ain't it good to claim victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Maybe you're here today and say, Preacher, I need the Lord to give me my hope. I need Him to restore my hope that He and He alone can make this happen. We'd love to pray with you. Altars open as they...